awful in Libya as it is too in Morocco. We have live pictures coming to us still from there. As a search and rescue operation continues in Morocco, this massive effort uh, to try and search for survivors from the devastating earthquake there. Uh, we've seen some hopeful pictures of aid workers arriving in small villages, bringing food, toys and shelter for people. But what you're seeing here is one of the rescue teams just continuing to search for survivors. But unfortunately, I think those hopes are fading fast, we're hearing. Uh, lots of uh, reports from Morocco just saying when they send in the sniffer dogs, they're not really getting many signs of life. But they continue, of course, that powerful earthquake in Morocco, killing 2,900 people and leaving hundreds of thousands of people homeless. Uh, well, we can take you there now because the BBC's Tom Bateman is in the Atlas Mountains. He's been with UK aid workers searching for survivors and he joined me a short time ago. Well, it has been here, Lucy, another desperate night for the survivors of this earthquake, a fifth night out in the open. And one of the things we've been witnessing is just the dearth of shelter, of tents for people. People are having to use blankets, tarpaulin, bits of timber, broken tree branches to try and take shelter. It gets very chilly in the high Atlas Mountains uh, at night, and that is putting people at increased risk who are already, of course, very traumatised after the events of last Friday. Now, we've come to the town of Amsmiz. This is basically now a base of the mountains for the four international uh, search and rescue teams who have been invited here by the Moroccans, the Moroccan military here as well. In the last few minutes, we've seen a helicopter take off. Now, in there are two or several members, I should say, of uh, the British rescue team. You can see their base camp uh, behind us here. But even in that case, because of the uh, very difficult conditions, the inaccessibility of places that have been struck, they've been told that they can only do reconnaissance at that point. They can't actually land to get that help and that potential rescue to where it is most needed. Now, after the last 24 hours, in the last 24 hours, we have uh, joined one of those UK search and rescue teams on a journey into the, one of the most remote areas of this region. Searching for the scent of life, Colin scours the ruins of one of Morocco's most devastated mountain villages. We've followed the UK's rescue team on a journey to the earthquake's epicentre. And this British crew here to search for survivors, though they are working against all odds. Yeah, unfortunately, um, Colin is an experienced dog. He was in Turkey earlier this year. Um, he only goes on live scent. Unfortunately, there's been no indication. There's no interest. So, unfortunately, it doesn't look like there's any any um, live casualties in this area. So now it's all about recovery. How do you cope with everything you know destroyed? Hussein digs out the remains of his home, hoping to get to his possessions and his family's clothes. I was here with my family. We were having dinner. The ceiling fell on me. It's God's decision. My brother died. There is nothing I can do. I'm just going to take my clothes out and go to the tent. And this is their home now. People are having to find a way to live with the foul air of death all around them. 
They say more than 100 were buried instantly when the quake hit here. The destruction is near absolute. Well, only the minaret of their mosque remains. Everything else, homes, streets, a whole community is reduced to this. It is overwhelming. And everyone we've spoken to here says they believe everyone that was missing has died. There is no hope left of finding survivors. Some supplies are arriving for people who have lost everything. All but cut off from the outside world, residents say they need much more. There is no house to live in. If there is no help from the government, we have nothing. And what the earth took away, they are already trying to rebuild. These are people shattered by loss, but having to find the ways to keep going. Tom, so we see that British team there, as you say, working against the odds, and then you're interviewing people who say they need much more help. And yet there's been this concern, some criticism perhaps, that some international agencies and countries hadn't been able to get into Morocco. What are the authorities saying about that? Yeah, because uh, it took around 48 hours or so for the Moroccan authorities to invite aid in and countries obviously won't deploy until they get that formal invitation because it all needs to be coordinated. That's an absolutely crucial element to all of this. The Moroccan government itself has said that it is very much about that coordination as to why they've only invited those four countries in so far, saying they don't want to be overwhelmed uh, and try to focus and target the response. But we've been hearing, you know, up in the mountains repeatedly now complaints about you know a lack of official response and particularly that issue about humanitarian aid has very much been volunteers family friends coming from Casablanca from Marrakesh and local charities and NGOs who have been helping people as far as we've seen now there has been I think in the last 24 hours or so a much more visible presence of the Moroccan armed forces especially in some of those more remote regions we were seeing that um, yesterday so clearly things are getting off the ground but it has felt painful painfully slow.